Welcome to the Ben Don't Break podcast. I am Aaron Schweitzer, publisher of The Source. I am joined by Nicole Vulcan, our editor. We are powered by The Source Weekly, Ben's locally owned newspaper. We are glad that you're taking some of your time to listen to us chat with the people who shape our local community. This is Nicole and I's place for a little eddy in the in the river of uh, content that we go through at the paper. and um, Yes, indeed. Thanks for, thanks for spending this with us. Today we are speaking with Kenny Adams. Kenny is a writer, designer, filmmaker, and a father. As executive director, director of the Fathers Group, Kenny has bolstered and strengthened the Ujima Youth Program, developed the Night Out with the Fathers Group series, developed and administered the Fathers Group Film Festival, featuring his own documentary, Blend, in which he interviews many black residents of Central Oregon. Kenny has an IT professional background, but his life is devoted to the betterment of his family, friends, and community by any means. Kenny, thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, let's um, let's start by talking about the Fathers Group, when it was formed, and what was the idea behind the group? How'd you get involved? Well, the Father, that's actually a couple of stories. Um, the Fathers mm-hmm. Group started back in uh, 2018. Uh, it revolved around uh, one of our one of our founding members. Uh, he had a uh, son in the Benlin Pine School System. And at the time, this was before you had a real big focus on like DEI and things of that nature. Um, and he was dealing with some, uh, his uh, child was dealing with some uh, racial bullying. And he, the school wasn't, at the time, the district wasn't providing any help or anything like that. So he was looking for some other, um, you know, uh, other other parents that had that lived experience and who could that could help him navigate sure. through the system and so that every you know he felt he knew he had a couple of friends uh here in bend and you know there is not a large black population in bend so it was a very small group and what they ended up uh you know they helped him navigate through the system and it was like okay you know we we we're able to do something with this let's form something you know a little bit more solidified so in 2020 became a uh, registered 501c3 um, and that's kind of the birth of it yeah. uh, I've been here and been since 2013 almost 10 years and uh, I didn't really find out about the father's group until right around 2020 when the world seemed to be spiraling out of control mm-hmm. um, when is it not uh, and I just started out volunteering um, helping out you know here and there uh, the Juneteenth festival in 2021 came and you know, they. I was like, look, put me in, coach. Uh, w- <laughs> what can I do? And I was actually just, I was a runner. You yeah. know, anything that they needed throughout the day, it, uh, if we were short on it, I was out at the store. So that's kind of how I started volunteering, and it just grew from there. Great. Awesome. Well, we definitely want to talk about some Juneteenth stuff. We'll get into that in a little bit. But um, let's just keep talking about the Fathers Group just a little bit. Absolutely. Um, you know, Aaron mentioned a couple of the the ways you've been involved in your bio, but tell us a couple of the you know accomplishments, milestones for the Fathers Group since you've been involved. Oh wow! So I uh, came on as the executive director uh, at the very beginning of 2022, um, and it's been a roller coaster. Uh, but <laughs> but like all highs, which is right. great. The um, roller coaster just goes up. Just keeps going up. I mean, <laughs> okay, you know we ha- have had a couple of dips with managing and working through the issues like the Barry Washington uh, sure. case, and mm-hmm. well, actually, I should say the Ian Cranston case, um, and uh, you know just other uh really digging our 
talons, if you will, into making a big difference. You know, we, we're doing work with uh, the district attorney's office. We're doing work with the school district. Um, there is a very wide uh, cavernous need for advocacy. Um, and really, I mean, you can have so many DEI programs and you can have all these different things, but if you don't have the people that have the lived experience, right. then you're always, you're always by default going to fall short. So, uh, I have done a lot of work with, uh, making a lot of community, community connections, um, strengthening ones that were already there, building new ones. Uh, we do a lot of work with the city of Bend, um, and working on, uh, again, advocacy and helping them change uh, some of the procedures and processes. We, there is a large shortage of people of color in leadership positions in a lot of power structures mm -hmm. within not just this community, but nationwide. So we have to think differently. We have to change things. And one of my biggest proponents uh, and pushes in uh, that realm is to make sure that we talk to people in power about changing their uh, hiring processes. Um, to And we're not talking affirmative action. We're talking about literally not just judging a book by its cover mm -hmm. and automatically disqualifying someone just based on the color of their skin. Whether it, they want to admit that that's something that they're doing uh, intentionally, and I'm not saying this about the city, I'm saying this about just in general. I've, we work with right. a bunch of different organizations, um, but to the point of you got to look at your uh, inherent biases and analyze what you're doing and your behavior and why you're doing certain things. And then when you get to the root of, okay, so this makes sense why I'm doing this, maybe, and now it's time to change. You know, Maya Angelou said, when you know better, you do better. I'm paraphrasing. And we have to do that. We have to, when someone tells you, you know, something you hear a lot about right now is people saying, you know, we're listening to the communities of color. We're listening. We're listening. We hear a lot of we're listening. We're not hearing a lot of action. So we push for action. Um, example, you were asking me uh, something that I've done once, you know, while being part of the father's group. A clear example would be, and it may seem small, but it's a big, it's a big footprint. Uh, when the city was putting together their proclamation for Black History Month, they were like, this is, you know, what we're looking at doing. And there was a lot of whereas on this day and whereas mm -hmm. this and whereas that. And I'm like, do you see any of us wearing powdered wigs? <laughs> no, we're not. I was like, we're, if we're going to talk about the black community, I'll write it. And then we can go from there. And but it even moves past just changing of the words. When you talk about actual real change, you have to have action behind those words. There has to be tangibles. So something that I, with the uh, backing of our board, is uh, there's something that I like to do is make sure that any conversation that we have, any type of partnership that we work in, that there are tangibles. No longer just talking. You have to walk the walk. And sometimes you have to run the walk. You know, <laughs> we, we can't wait anymore. There has to be change because lives are literally at stake. So... My approach to this is really putting a forefront on making sure that people are safe, making sure that people are heard, and then that when they say that there is a need, that people will actually take the steps to do those things. Kenny, I'm, I'm curious about the name, the Fathers Group. Is it Fathers? Is it, I mean, is that, do you have 
mothers inside the father's group? Absolutely. Then? That is something that I'm glad you brought up because, uh, you know, there is a bit of a misconception sometimes. Most people understand, especially when they're around us, they understand what we're all about. Mm-hmm. Uh, it started out as a bunch of fathers, and it was like, a, what do we name ourselves? Yeah. The father's group, sure. <laughs> um, uh, a lot of it was we got to keep moving um, and do the things, so let's not get hung up on that. Now, but w- what's one thing, before I answer that question, what's something that fathers, typically a good father, wants for the people that are under them, if you will? I'm not saying that the community is under us, uh, so no misconception on that. But if we're doing this work, the father wants you to eat, they want you to have a good time, and we want you to be safe. So that's kind of, I mean, that encompasses everything that we do, you mm-hmm. know. But when it comes to the makeup of our organization is, yeah, we have a lot of women on our board. We have women in on our executive board. Uh, whenever there is a suggestion, whenever there is um, a task or if we have a program, we don't go into this completely ignoring or even asking or anything like that the women in our group because we cannot have an equitable society we cannot have a way to be able to move forward unless we are actually listening to all voices involved so when it comes to the women in our group you know we have mental health specialists that are on our board uh we have engineers uh and again the titles that i'm listing are all women and they bring very 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 valuable um ideas and content to the table so absolutely but it started out as just a group of fathers and the name kind of stuck yeah that's so tell me another a little bit more about another aspect of of your work with the ujima youth program Mm. what is that program meant for kids and how do how do parents get involved in that ujima is one of my favorite things that i've ever done um uh, first ujima the name it's swahili for collective work uh direct translation in Swahili is shared labor. Um, And so the idea is that we can't do this unless we're all carrying part of that weight. Um, And Ujima, um, it started out on Wednesdays over at the um, uh, district building for the school district. We've moved over to the uh, downtown library branch. Uh, We were on Saturday mornings. We're probably gonna be moving that back to Wednesdays. It's just uh, more accessible for our students, but it means community. Our kids, uh, the kids that are in our program, they don't all go to the same school, but once they meet each other for the first time, second time, they start talking, then they're looking out the window waiting for their friend to show up. Because again, there's not, once again, there's not a lot of black people in this community. Mm -hmm. So when we find each other, then it builds a very big, uh, strengthened camaraderie. But Ujima isn't just for black students. It's for all students. We welcome all students come in. We have uh, white students, we have uh, Latino students, we have black students, uh, we have Asian students that come through uh, from the AAPI community, Um, but we do everything through an Afrocentric lens. So the student, and everything is, I don't even call it low barrier, it's no barrier. It's free for the students. Um, Again, we're probably moving it back to Wednesday afternoons because it's a short day for the students. Um, But they get to do, like last, Last semester, they built. Uh, they had we had a woodworker come in, and they bought. Uh, they built mancala boards. Um, the oh, semester yeah. before that, they actually built charcuterie boards. <laughs> um, and they get to they, and then they have the option of either taking that home for themselves, or 
giving it over to the woodworker who then gets it into a shop and then they can make revenue off of selling it. Uh, we've taken the kids on group bike rides with Project Bike. Uh, we have community partners that come in and teach the classes. Uh, they were, uh, we've had um, Beat Theater come in and teach the kids uh, improv theater. Uh, Dr. Dalton Miller-Jones, who I'm sure most everyone that's listening is familiar with, <laughs> uh, he's come in and he's taught some black history. Uh, it's a really, really great program. The kids get really excited. Um, and they're building friends. They're bu building lifelong friendships, and they're learning something along the way. Great. Definitely an example of some tangibles. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Um, yeah. It's uh, again. I when we had it on Saturday mornings, we would you know I'd come out and just seeing the kids come in, waking up and coming out at ten o'clock in the morning on a Saturday to yeah. spend time with their friends to learn something. You know, uh, I teach. Swahili vocabulary words at the very beginning. Um, and again, they just learn a lot and they have a lot of fun. Super. Um, well, let's jump to Juneteenth. Mm. Um, for those not familiar, it's a combo of the words June and 19. It honors the day when black slaves in Galveston, Texas, were informed they'd been freed some months before that with the Emancipation Proclamation and the end of the Civil War. So, um, just, you know, for, for those not familiar, can you share a little bit about how this day has traditionally been celebrated elsewhere? Absolutely. And I'll say it was actually two years. Oh, two years. It was I, two years. Okay, yeah. thanks for that correction, no Kenny. So, so one thing that uh, I know that uh, Dalton and I, we stress a lot is that was an additional two years of free labor that this country got right. off of our backs. So yeah. uh, Juneteenth, uh, and actually I can go into this a little bit, we, uh, for this year, we have a scavenger hunt that's been going since February, and a lot of the facts that I'm going to talk about here um, are actually part of the scavenger hunt, things that people can learn while participating. Go over to Open Space Event Studios. You still have time by the time this airs to be able to get it's in a, and do it's this. It's a bonus for listening to our podcast. You're going to get some free clues here. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> yes, I will, give, I will drop some clues. Um, but uh, traditionally throughout uh, the country, I mean, obviously it started out in Galveston, um, and it went under several different names. Um, but, I mean, truthfully, uh, there were some celebrations that started that year, and it was like, okay, yeah, we're free. Uh, there were some, uh, something that a lot of people don't realize is even though we were free, and even though uh, they, you know, the Union went and had to sail all the way around Florida to get to Galveston to inform them that they were free, there was even, there was even a little line item that was like, uh, you might still want to stay with your, uh, you know, with the person that was your owner uh, just to not ruffle any feathers. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, n no. But and the thing is, even with the people that were free and they were leaving before it was even being done red, they were getting shot at. They were getting killed because they were fleeing and mm. leaving. So when it comes to the celebrations, uh, there have traditionally, and to this day, traditionally uh, at Juneteenth celebrations, there you'll find a beauty pageant, you know, for Miss Juneteenth. You'll have uh, parades that happen. Now, again, in this community, will we get to the point of having that? Sure. I think we need to build up the black community a little bit more to get our, because I think we're like 0.65% of Central Oregon, which only equates to about 
a thousand people. Mm-hmm. So as we continue to grow uh, in number, because we have a lot more people moving here to the area, I think we'll see a little bit of that. Uh, red velvet uh, cupcakes were usually uh, baked for the celebrations. Uh, they, I believe, they called it red soda, which is cherry soda, uh, was an- or strawberry soda. Sorry, was another. Uh, uh, traditional beverage, a lot of celebrated with barbecues, uh, family reunions, just general get-togethers. Um, a lot of church services are revolved around it. it that is a big uh, strength within the Black community, and it's really evolved and changed. You know, there's a lot of people, a lot of naysayers in the community that be like, "Well." This is just something that Joe Biden came up with. Uh, no, we've been celebrating it since 1865. Um, and just because it became a federal holiday doesn't mean that it's suddenly credible. It's been credible. Right. We don't need the recognition. We don't, And that's why we've been celebrating it before it became a federal holiday. Right. Um, last year was, well, I'm sure we'll get into that in a minute. But, the, you know, we try to take a lot of the traditional celebration aspects and rope it into our own celebration here in Bend um, and in Central Oregon. Uh, Just either paying homage or just really keeping up with the tradition of it, but also bringing a a few new flares to it. Yeah, sounds like there's going to be a lot of stuff happening. It's the third annual one. It's happening June 17th and 18th Mm -hmm. because I believe that falls on the weekend, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so tell us some some of the events that are happening. What can people look forward to? Ah, okay, yes. Uh, sorry hope, for your. I hope some red velvet cupcakes. And Actually, we had and those strawberry last year. soda. We, last year we did red red velvet cupcakes and they went good, but that was a lot of baking, <laughs> a lot of baking of cupcakes. <laughs> we had racks and racks and racks of it. Uh, this year, no uh, red velvet cupcakes. <laughs> You can bring but, your own, probably, yeah, yeah, if bring you want to do that. I yes. could say that's a BYOC. Yeah, <laughs> bring your own cupcake. I like it. <laughs> no, I'll tell you guys what. Uh, this year we are, uh, we've bolstered our education plaza. Um, let me talk about two things first. Uh, the education plaza is named after Deshaun Adderley. Uh, okay. For those unfamiliar with it, Deshaun Adderley uh, was a student in the Ben Lapine School System that, due to racial bullying, uh, he did uh, take his own life. Um, and we honor Deshaun and his memory by naming, and we've talked with his father, got the, you know, the blessing from that. Uh, that is the Deshaun Adderley Educational Plaza. Um, it's multifaceted. We have a large tent that's going to be uh, black history, including some local b- black history that we're doing some work with in conjunction with like High Desert ESD, uh, the Ben Historical Museum. Um, and a few other partners uh, like Vamanos Outside. Um, and then the Fathers Group is also curating a lot of things ourselves. Right. Um, but then also in the uh, uh, directly across from it is the full plaza. There's going to be a game area for kids. Uh, I personally have been working on an oversized Moncala board uh, that cool. will be out there for the kids to play on. But uh, then we have a lot of uh, educational booths and partners that are out there. Fa- uh, the Family Access Network will be out there. I know Moms Demand Action will be out there. There's several others that will have their own booths. Check out the photo booth. That'll be out there, too. Um, that'll be a lot of fun. And then the entertainment stage is named after Barry Washington Jr. Um, everyone in this community, if you don't know about Barry Washington Jr., you are, have been living under a rock. You haven't been reading the source. <laughs> exactly. Um, so we spoke with Barry's mom, 
um, and got her blessing for this as well. And it is the Barry Washington Entertainment Stage. Um, we have uh, several performers uh, that are going to be there from uh, Day Day, who is also David Merritt, our president, uh, mm-hmm. the president of our board. He'll be performing uh, with Super Dave and Sean Allen uh, featuring. Sean Allen himself will uh, be doing his own set. Uh, downtown Skylar Brown uh, <laughs> will be singing a couple of songs. She's also going to be part of the High Desert Museum's contribution of living history actors walking throughout the park. So she's going to be in full oh. uh, period dress and, you know, she'll be talking about uh some again local black history in central oregon that's going to be amazing but i also know she's going to be wearing at least seven layers and it's planning it's going to be kind of warm so hopefully she (laughs) she'll stay hydrated um we have 40 plus vendors uh, that are going to be out there uh heavy level of and a prominent focus on black vendors from central oregon uh we have um a bunch of food trucks that are coming but let's talk about food for a second yeah. because Super Dave, uh, who is the res- our resident chef with the Fathers Group, uh, has cooked up an amazing menu, um, Jamaican jerk barbecue ribs uh, with uh, Jamaican rice and beans. Uh, he's also the fried plantains, but then he also has his uh, Super Dave's uh, messy sando, um, or I think he calls it the big mess, um, which is... Uh, a piece of fried chicken with uh, baked mac and cheese, uh, spicy sweet pickles, barbecue sauce, coleslaw on a brioche bun. Ooh. Yeah, and in a dish wow. with a fork. Uh, yes, yes, because <laughs> it, that thing is huge and it's delicious. Um, so he and then there's you know has a couple of different sides and sauces. Uh, you can go to the website uh, JuneteenthCentralOR.com/menu to see pictures of that. Um, but I encourage everyone to go to the website. Yeah. Our, I will say real quick, our website is getting so much traffic right now, huh. uh, and not just locally. Um, we're getting okay. we've had to turn away at least thirty vendors because they thought they were going to their own website. Uh, but when they just type in Juneteenth vendor, we're in like the top three across the country. Wow. wow. So uh, we've turned people away from Buffalo, Pittsburgh, Florida, Texas, and they're like, oh, my bad. Yeah, no, I'm not driving. I'm not flying out to <laughs> Oregon. <laughs> but I will say last year, we had people from Kentucky. We had people from Florida, Tennessee, wow. um, Portland. We had people that were skipping their own celebrations in their hometown and coming to ours just based on what they've heard. Um, the first year that Juneteenth was celebrated in Bend was put on by Central Oregon University Project. Um, Josie, uh, Adriana, um, and a few others put that together. And there was a couple hundred people out at Drake Park. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next year was at Ponderosa Park. That's when the Fathers Group kind of p- uh, picked up the baton on that. We had about 3,000 people come through Ponderosa Park. Last year, we had o- over 11,000 people come through wow. the park over the course of two days. So we're really excited to see. And it's going to be warmer this year. The first day last year was 58 degrees and rainy, mm. um, which... I mean, it was nice to not sweat my face off, but uh, the second day was probably about the temperatures we're going to get, and we had a higher number the second day. So we're anticipating a lot of traffic out there this year. Do you happen to know, I'm just curious, are there, how many other Juneteenth celebrations are in Oregon? Um, I think right now we have one down in Klamath that's put on by, I want to say, base. Um... And then we have, there's one in Salem, there's one in Eugene, and then there's one in Portland. I Mm -hmm. don't know if there's any in any other locations, uh, but we are looking at doing some networking for next year with the other uh, celebrations. Yeah, Yeah. that's fun. 
Well, one of the one of the projects for this year is discovering our roots, helping people of African descent uncover the specific parts of Africa they may have come from. What has this project meant for those involved so far, and are there specific stories you can share? Um, great. Right now, uh, if you go to the again, if you go to the JuneteenthCentralOR.com and you scroll down a little bit, and it's also in the menu, you'll see something called African Ancestry. Uh, there's a company, and uh, everyone's familiar with 23andMe. They're mm-hmm. familiar with Ancestry.com. And when you do those, uh, it gives you kind of general regions, and you know, you're know 25% this and 72% that. Something that is unique to the black community is, for at least in you know African Americans, when you get to like the late 1860s, for the most part, that's where it stops. Yeah, you don't get anything right. past that. Mm-hmm. The records aren't caught. It's just uh, a slave name and then uh, English name and the the cost and where they're being assigned and that's about it. So there's a disconnect with our ancestry. Um, you look at most communities; they say, "Oh yeah, well I'm down from Guatemala," or "Yeah, I'm over from uh, South Korea," or "I'm over from Europe," "I'm from France," whatever. We know, yeah, we're Africa. Mm-hmm. Sure, we do. You know, I did Ancestry.com, uh, and it gave me, again, percentages of maybe. So African Ancestry is a company that has the largest haplogroups for African Americans um, and going back to Africa. So this service not only connects you to the country, but it also can go down to the tribe. So uh, there wow. are tons of people that have chartered trips. Once they get a group of people that, and they all go over oh, and yeah. they get their African name, they learn. Uh, some people go as far as getting African passports and dual citizenships. Mm. It's amazing. So what we've done is the Fathers Group uh, has purchased uh, five uh, African ancestry kits um, that we are going to be releasing. Uh, well, by the time you guys hear this, we'll have this on the website to where uh, Black Central Oregonians can put their name in uh, to get on the list. Um, we're going to draw five random uh, names off the list, and they're going to get their kit. Uh, the kits equal about, no, not equal. They are 300, uh, 300 apiece. Okay. Um, but we're going to give these kits to them because we're like, look, that's a bit of a barrier still so yeah. let's go ahead and give you the kit and then you take it from there you do the swab send it over they destroy you know the material as soon as they run the test you, but you get your certificate you figure out where you're at and we're what we've done on the website is uh made it available for people to be able to actually donate toward covering the cost of these kits because it shouldn't stop at five there's plenty more uh, of us here in Bend that would like to be able to have this service. So we're uh, offering that up as a way for people to be able to give back. People to talking about tangibles. Right. This is something that uh, is so important to so many people to be able to know where you sure. come from. And for the black community, that's been stifled a lot. So we have figured out a way to give people that opportunity to be able to make that connection and people who are listening right now they can donate to that they can help you guys out get more kits absolutely if you go to again if you go to juneteenthcentralor.com uh, we're probably after the festival going to move this over to the father's group website as well um and you just click the african ancestry link right on the front page it'll take you it'll explain the whole service it'll, it'll explain uh the benefits for the black community and then there's a nice donation 
donation plugin at the very bottom. And the cool thing about that is we use a service called Zephy that 100% of your donation goes to the father's group. And 100% of those donations for the Af African ancestry is just a pass through straight to That's purchasing great. more. So th this is, there's no profit on this. This is just trying to get connect people to their ancestry. That's really incredible. I wanted to touch before kind of we get to the end here and wrap mm -hmm. up because um, you're doing such, you know, so many cool projects, but one of them was your film, um, mm. Blend, and that covered the experience of Black Central Oregonians. Yes. Tell us a little bit about um, the making of that and, you know, all of whatever you want to share. You know, I would, you know how Facebook will give you uh, the your memories and tell you, you know, when you're doing stuff. And just today, uh, uh, the day we're recording this, I got the notification that I was in my final uh, portions of editing uh, for this. And I was like, hey, it feels like it's been two to three years. Um, I've had this idea for probably about two to three years uh, when I wanted, when I developed the concept for it. And something that always bothered me is when we tell our stories, typically, historically, it gets watered down for easier consumption. You know, let's let's take out the hard parts and, you know, make it easier for people. You know, that's why people rage over, quote unquote, CRT, because they don't like actual history. Mm -hmm. They don't want to hear the things that mm -hmm. make them uncomfortable. Well, if you're not making yourself uncomfortable on a regular basis, you're not growing, in my opinion. So I wanted to tell our stories from our perspective. Um, and I do a lot of conversational pieces, whether I'm writing or doing podcasts or filming. Um, and this was my first feature. Uh, I've done short films throughout uh, the last like 10, 15 years, uh, but I've never done something long form. So I happen to know a lot of people within the Fathers Group and other members of the community that I've met over the last th uh, three or four years. And I was like, I want you to just tell me your story. So I had five specific questions that I wanted to ask, and then I just let them riff. And then uh, there's so much that's on the cutting room floor. Yeah. Uh, well, mm -hmm. not cutting room anymore, the digital cutting, cutting <laughs> room floor, uh, taking up hard drive space. Uh, but the stories were sometimes funny. The stories uh, were oftentimes heartbreaking and heart-wrenching. Um, and this is something that people are like, oh, I had no idea. And it's like, well, this is our lived experience. Something that always boggles me is when you have people that call themselves allies you have people that even will go as far as calling themselves accomplices to trying to further making things uh, equitable sometimes you'll start seeing those numbers drop you'll see them fall off and it's like oh i'm just so tired and i got I, you know I, I have to go make dinner and this and i'm like well i'm glad that you can turn it off right because this mm -hmm. is something that we deal with on a daily hourly basis so I wanted to make sure that those stories got told, that unfortunately you have to have things sometimes in your face to just constantly remind you that, yeah, there are other people that are dealing with stuff and they're, they're hurting and they're trying to find their way, they're trying to make their way, and really all they want to do is just live. Right. And oftentimes you get a, oh, well, I mean, it's all well and good, but do we have to keep talking about it? Well. If I'm going, if my kid comes home and they tell me that they were called a monkey, just because they're black, or that their hair is a is a bird's nest, just because it's frizzy or quote unquote unkempt, as some people will call it, but that's just natural hair. That's real hair. That is who we are. And I mean, there's a reason why we had to have the Crown Act. 
why do we have to have the Crown Act? If you don't know what that is, look it up, please. Mm-hmm. But if if we have to keep having these things, then we have to keep on doing the work. And that is really kind of just at the baseline of the storytelling of Blend. I want people to hear what our kids have gone through. I want people to hear what we've gone through um, and what we are still going through. Some of these stories were within the last half a year, six yeah. months. So they're not stuff that, oh, this happened back in 1965. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, this is 2022. Well, that's a know? that's a good segue into the question we wanted to ask you regarding um, some of the targeting that happened in Redmond just just recently mm. you know you got to historically there is a low percentage of black people and people of color and and though the numbers are increasing still just this past week uh black uh, elected officials in central oregon redmond targeted what goes through your mind when when you see that happening honestly for me and i can't speak for everybody else we're not a monolith but for me i'm like oh it's a tuesday i mean it, it's unfortunate i you know i've spoken with uh, Clifford uh, about this incident sure. and it's you know uh, I love Clifford he is one of the strongest willed people I've ever met in my life and he's hilarious great yes. um, great yeah he, he, he and he's just a really really good upstanding guy and when you look at the fact that someone you know they brought the uh, the dead raccoon which has so many connotations to, yeah. to it um, all bad uh, and then they, you know, I mean, they, they didn't leave anything to the imagination. They wrote out the letter to the mayor and then specifically called out Clifford in the letter, in the note. So with that, it's like, okay, yeah, this is, this means that we still have work to do. We still have, you know, and we're not going to change everybody. We understand that. We understand that it's sure. not going to, we're not going to get through to everybody. But there are people that are willing to listen or they may not have been willing to listen, but when they hear a different approach, they they start to listen. And one thing I will say about this is I have whenever you see posts on uh, any media outlet and it has anything to do with black, primarily black or the LGBTQ community, you really start seeing the trolls come out and yes, they just indeed. they hate the fact that you're talking about anything that's that's that uh, anything that's woke is whatever they don't like. So when this post came out about, you know, they showed the picture and I was surprised they didn't censor the picture of the raccoon um, and the, the note and whatever. I did see that uh, there was a heavy level of people saying, yeah, this is messed up. And people that usually right. don't say, so it's like, okay. So I, I don't know if that was the threshold of, okay, that's just blatant racism. Then this one is safe for me to say, no, that's bad. But still, it's when I see something like that, it's like a, okay, I mean, I'm not surprised. Well, it's so overt and there's so much of a tenor of violence in it that, you know, I, I think it's very hard for even people who otherwise might remain in the margins on an issue like that to stay there. What's scary to me is it shouldn't, we shouldn't be stuck in the mar. No one should be stuck in the margins when it comes to equality, when it comes to, you know, and, and it's a lot of out of sight, out of mind. This is not my world. It's not something that I have to deal with. You see something like happening in Ukraine and then you see people that, and then those same people see people that look like them. Then suddenly it's like, Oh yeah, I, I need to go stand out on peace corner and mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And those people weren't there when we were dying in the streets on, 
our own soil. Mm-hmm. And when Barry Washington was murdered and we had the, that court case going on, uh, we several of us were out there every single day during the court case, and we were calling the community out, hey, come show support. This happened on our front lawn, not in our backyard, our front lawn. This happened right, right downtown. When the March for Against Racism happened back in 2020, there was thousands of people that marched from Farewell Bend to the courthouse, and they were out there, and they were saying Black Lives Matter and everything's great. And then two, two years later, you need the same people come show out for something that happened here, not over in the mm-hmm. middle America, not over on the East Coast, but here. And you had like 30 to 40 people a night, and that's it. That's a problem. Yeah. The, we, you have to. So that's when I know that we have more work to do yeah. and that we have just consistent work to do because it never ends. And while you can go home and get some rest and not think about it and turn on the latest thing on Netflix, whatever, I'm fielding phone calls from parents crying because their kids are being intimidated or bullied and nothing's happening to it, happening because of that. So we need the community to show up, to show out. Come out to Juneteenth. That's a first step. But really come get to know us. Like Dalton always says, come play with us. You Get to know us. Get to see who we are because it may surprise you. It shouldn't surprise you, but it may. Yeah. I wanted to, I just, before we wrap up, um, I just want to touch quickly back on Blend again. Mm-hmm. Do you, you know, not to just volunteer you for additional work, but do you see yourself kind of doing like a follow-up to that? Like, Hey, where are we at? And where, you know, where are we, you know, a few years down the road, something like that? I have, I do have some plans for a uh, follow up to blend. Um, I think that, like you said, it needs to cook for a little bit, mm-hmm. um, see how things go over the next a little bit. My next documentary that I'm planning is actually on Dalton's life um, cool. and planning on shooting that next year. Um, but for blend, yeah, there's, as more people move to the area, as I get to know people that have been here, uh, there's more stories to be told. Um, and again, they don't always have to be bad, but there is a serious tone to it because people people need to know. They need to understand what we go through and that it's not just, oh, we're in Bend, we're gonna float down the river. That's not always the case. You know, sometimes we still, or not sometimes, a lot of us will, while we're walking downtown, while we're walking, I wouldn't really say Old Mill, but in certain areas of Bend, while you're walking around, it's a checking, you know, checking your surroundings, making sure that you're yeah. good. And with the elections coming up again, we're here. We go again. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's why I asked it because you made that, you started making that during like a really, you know, involved time politically, and you know, people were really active. Mm-hmm. It just makes me curious, like, you know, what what it would look like in a few years if you, you know, you pulled the same people or... Well, I can tell you this right now. While it may have been a heavy political or like a... uh, The country was going through some turmoil, our our stories stay the same. Mm. Our stories... uh, Mm. You can pull people from the 60s, from the 70s, from the 80s, though the 80s might be a little bit more psychedelic than the 90s and then the 90s, and then the early 2000s, and then to now, and the storylines are gonna be the same. You're gonna still have people that are following you around in grocery stores. You're gonna, uh, making sure you're not stealing something. You're still gonna have people that are going to flippantly use the N-word and think, oh, I'm sorry, I just never, and not realize how hard that is. It's the same thing, and once again, that's why 
the fathers group is working on radical change on making sure that we do things a bit differently than what's been done in the past because the stuff that's been done in the past has moved the needle a little bit but not enough mm-hmm. so we're trying to we're, we're trying to kind of kick that needle in the face a, a little bit well kenny the energy you got for this is palpable i'm uh you know i'm wondering where you get the where do, where does that drive come from where do you find your inspiration i just well, well i mean honestly i don't want my kids or kelly's kids or anyone's kids to deal with the stuff that i dealt with to experience the things that i experienced i just mentioned being followed around in a store that happened to me when i was 12 14 15 18 20 it i mean i i have literal tangible examples I've had uh, people hide or like put their arm around their kid in their purse just when they realized that I was in the same aisle with them at Walmart and then they scurry away. I'm like, am I going to steal your kid in Walmart? What? So for, for this, I don't want people to have to deal with these lived experiences. I want their lived experiences to be better than what I had and what I have currently. I want them to be able to enjoy life, to be able to go home and be able to sit and be like, Today was a good day, and I didn't have to deal with much of anything. But right now, that's not always the case. So it's just a continued fight. Well, it's been such a pleasure getting to talk to you, Kenny, and hear all about your projects. Thank you. Um, Kenny is the executive director of the Fathers Group. He is deep in the midst of planning Juneteenth here in Bend on the 17th and 18th of June. So hope to see you all there. Thanks for being with us. No problem. Thank you so much for having me. And, yes, I hope to see you guys come out. I'll be at the Fathers Group booth for a good portion of the day, you might see me running around with a walkie-talkie, but please come up and say what's up. Uh, let me know that you heard uh, heard the interview. I would love to talk, uh, chop it up with everyone. Awesome. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you.